Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to the Amateur Otaku. I am Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet Fan here, and I'm so excited to be back here tonight to talk awesome anime with y'all. We have an amazing episode for this night's live stream, and we can't wait to share everything with y'all. Anybody joining us from YouTube, welcome. Comments below. We will shout out to you guys as we do as we go throughout the show. We love the conversation that we have with you guys every single week, and we can't wait to get in this. So, of course, as you guys know, the amateur otaku is not just one man. It's not just one person. It's a whole crew, and I'm here joined by the one and only Mad Dog Isaac. What's up, man? I'm tired, but that's per usual. I mean, after you've been stepped on by... So, Isaac, so happy to have you back. I mean, come on, man. We started the episode. It's it's Chainsaw Man. You know, we got to get in the in the mindset, right? <laughs> There's a, um, I mean, you do it to yourself on Twitter. I'm just saying. So <laughs> I'm just bringing the Twitter I mean, convo here. We have Jor. We have Midnight. We have Mount Lady. We have uh, Bottom. Makimato, uh, uh, Makimato Extent. Yes. To, to name a few. The list goes on. Yes. Yes, it does. And the one and only, and this has been, I don't know, months, maybe a year in the making. AJ, you're finally here joining us on the show. What's up, man? It is about time. I'm glad to be here. It only took me to change my shift from work, and I'm I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. See, part of me, it's not spoiled enough to kind of believe that 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 the sh that you change your shift because of us, but part of me wants to believe that's the reason you change your shift. We'll go with that. We're gonna we'll go. go with <laughs> he did it for anime, damn it. Damn um, right. But yeah, man, I'm, we're so happy to have you here. Um, can't wait to talk anime with you. It's gonna be a great episode. We have a lot to talk about, guys. We have a big agenda for today's episode. Make sure that if you love what we do here at the Amateur Otaku Podcast, make sure you click on that like button make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and click on the bell for notifications so you do not miss any single episode, any single anime coverage that we do every single week. Every single week, we put out multiple episodes. We do a live stream every Sunday. If you miss the live stream on Sundays on YouTube, it always goes live on Monday on the Spotify podcast feed. So there's multiple ways to find out what we're doing here and what we're talking about and discussing at the Amateur Taco Podcast. But if you don't want to miss any of the live streams or YouTube content, make sure to click that like button, make sure to subscribe and click on the bell for notifications. Also, if you rather listen to us on the go and want to go to our archive, when we have a, when we have a, it's almost like a hundred episodes on movies, series, and a lot of awesome, great content and topic stuff. Go to our archive, which is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. You can find the Amateur Otaku podcast now we have a big show for you guys today we're not just talking chainsaw man and bleach the thousand year blood war we're talking a little bit about a disney and ghibli's baby yoda <laughs> and um at the end at the tail end of the episode we're gonna finish out with a bang because isaac and aj are gonna carry an awesome conversation about one piece red which is the latest addition to the film um, collection of in canon one piece movies so guys if you love one piece if you love peak fiction make sure you stick around for the end of the episode so you do not miss any coverage or anything like that now 
One thing I want to do real quick, because I actually promised this to someone. Um, we actually have a friend of the show that left us a comment and actually subscribed to the channel um, when we were talking about our anime openings last Sunday. You remember that, Isaac? I remember that. And um, he didn't only just participate, but he gave us a list of some of his favorite anime openings. And just because the first one he puts on the list is actually one of my favorites, <laughs> I think it deserves a mention on the podcast. So with the permission, with, I'm going to go ahead with permission of Meta, which is the YouTube, which is the YouTube subscriber that actually shared the list with us. I'm going to share with you guys his list. And if you guys agree with him that these are some of the greatest and most epic anime opens of all time, make sure you let Meta know in the comments below. So he put his list here. I'm going to put it up on the screen. And guys, this list is epic. It's an epic list. And it starts off with Code Geass opening one, <laughs> which, by the way, is one of my favorite openings of one time. There's a lot of stuff here, like Tokyo Ghoul number three, Attack and Titan opening two, which, Isaac, that was one that you mentioned. Um, I believe so, yes. Yeah. The, the, oh, by the way, guys, have we all seen Death Note here? Yeah. The fact that he has the Death Note yes. opening in there makes me a proud person because that opening is just fire. It's one of those songs that's so metal that it does that it's just, you know how sometimes you watch anime openings and like, for example, We Are, it's like the most cheesy opening ever, but it's so beautiful because it's One Piece. <laughs> like, and then you have the Death Note world theme. It's like the most metalist of metal openings ever. And it's just so great. That's just offering free porn. What'd you I'm say? Not, I'm not going to lie. I would actually replace Death Note with something else. What would you replace it with? I will, I will replace it with Venom Saga's first opening. Interesting. And, and you know what? If we're going in the metal angle of things, I love... Not only did I mention the rumbling, which is the, op the second opening of the final season part, a million, because I don't know, there are like four parts now. <laughs> but um, one of the openings that I love that's like super metal is like, have you seen Psychopaths? I have not. Like, the openings for that are so like... It's like now it's we like, have some uh, homework to do, AJ. Okay, Isaac. First of all, I think we made it a rule: you can't just give lists of homework to people just because they joined the pod, Isaac. That's not how this works, AJ. I, I, if you're writing down, I don't blame you, but he just gives lists to everybody. <laughs> Look, I, I'm willing to watch it. I just had no chance in the world <laughs> lately, so I'm gonna get to it, Isaac. I'm gonna get to it. He's make so the problem is AJ. He's gonna hold you to that promise now. <laughs> Look, I'll, we'll talk about it once I watch it. I'll watch it this weekend. How about that? Ooh, but yeah, like the openings are are very awesome, very metal. Sounds so, good. So I would put Psychopaths on there, but he has a lot of great stuff here. Hunter x Hunter, Seven Deadly Sins. The first opening is great. Um, a lot of people talk about Tokyo Revengers. Is that that sounds like an amazing show? I think I have to watch that. Do I have to watch that, AJ? Are you watching that? I've only watched the first season and I loved it. Okay. Actually, I did watch the second season and was not, did not really care for that. What was it? I think it was like Re Tokyo or something like that. I didn't really okay. care for that one. But okay. the first season of Tokyo. Revengers. Oh, no, oh, I'm thinking about Tokyo Ghoul. 
Oh, I have I have watched Tokyo Revengers. Yes. Um, yeah, Tokyo Ghoul. The first season is perfection. Second yeah. season is, eh. and then yeah, when you go Tokyo, to Tokyo Ghoul Ray, it's Tokyo like Revengers is. To be honest, I know there's a lot of hype behind it, but for me, I can't get on board with it because of the main protagonist. He's too whiny for me. Interesting. It, it's yeah, he's he's not for me. Basically, I don't I want... like whiny protagonists. That's my issue. Fair enough. I, I wonder if he's that protagonist. Hopefully, there's a turn similar to what you have with Aaron, where Aaron is like the mm-hmm. whiniest person ever until he grows up. <laughs> and then he's definitely not whiny anymore. That is true. That is true. But, but you know, we got to give him space to grow. It's only two seasons in, going on season three. So it's very interesting. But see, now we have to check it out and probably cover on the show. But um, any, other of the, any other of these openings, does, does it call out to you guys? Um, because there's a lot of great stuff here. I mean, I think Meta came up with a pretty good list, right? So Meta, thank you for sharing your list of top anime openings. Um, if you guys want to go back to our YouTube channel catalog, um, you'll be able to see that we actually provided that video of what our thoughts were of our favorite anime openings. So if you guys want to know our list, go over there. It's an amazing one-hour conversation where we go deep in 12 anime openings and a lot of people talked and also the the crowd interacted with us and was awesome so thank you meta again for being awesome thank you for subscribing to the channel and i promise you some love there's love (laughs) now let's go ahead and let's talk about the first topic which is the fact that disney and studio ghibli had a baby and it was a baby Grogu. Now, apart from being super cute, and it's interesting the type of animation that they ch- that they choose to. Um, I was very surprised that not only they teased it like what was it like a day before or like two days before, and after those two days they just released it. So this was a four minute short um, of just music and babe and Grogu being the cutest thing ever, but in Ghibli style. What, what were you guys thought about this? Um, do you guys like Studio Ghibli? AJ, I know I've covered Studio Ghibli and nauseam with Isaac, um, but I would like to know your thoughts too. And I, so I pause the baton first to you. Um, what are your thoughts about Studio Ghibli movies? And what were your thoughts when you watched this new collaboration? Because it's not the first one. But when you saw this new collaboration between Disney and Studio Ghibli. Well, first, hearing about this collab was very, very exciting for me. Because I am a huge fan of Studio um, Ghibli. Huge fan. Um, I would say my favorite movie from them is is actually Kiki's Delivery Service. Interesting. Yeah. And then after that, it's probably... I know a lot of people love Spirit Away and My Neighbor Tortoro, but mine is Kiki's Delivery Service and Ponyo. Those, Interesting. Those two are my favorite out of every single one of them. And Ponyo's kind of like, like, and... like the weirdest one. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Gamla Stad and, or should I, and Gotland from here in Sweden is uh, inspiration from the, t- from the look of the town that uh, Kiki is living in, in the uh, Kiki's delivery service. I did not know that. So what he's trying to say is that he has a special appearance, but you kind of don't see him. 
what he's saying is he's bragging basically that's there what it is right bragging rights yeah, I, they filmed yeah. it in my hood <laughs> yeah i don't live in stockholm or gotland but it's just a fun beat uh, behind the scenes stuff he was trying to get uh, rights to people longstroms from uh, you may have heard of esther lindgren i have swedish not author yeah she's a swedish shyla author may um uh there's I don't know what's called in English, but Christian Bale uh, was a child actor in a live action of her books, Mio, My Mio, or I don't know the English title for it. Okay. But he was trying to get the uh, rights to one of her more famous arc. But I digress. Moving on. So you're a big fan of Studio Ghibli, AJ. Love Kiki's Delivery Service. And you watched this short. Go on. Yeah, the short was pretty cute. I, I must say it was pretty cute. And to actually get it out this fast is really amazing to me. Um, I think it was, it was room, this was rumored like a week ago. It wasn't announced, but it was rumored a week ago that we were going to get a Grogu short episode, short series, something like that, a week ago. And that the fact that we got this now pretty cool i must say it's pretty yeah. cool and to see disney teaming up with other animation studios like studio ghibli and uh, who else did um they work with it was with visions um i don't know who did visions are you I know there are several and are you talking about triggered uh, or trigger what's... yeah okay. trigger is yeah studio trigger is a big one yeah yeah I, I i'm really loving that disney is teaming up with other japanese studios like them um hopefully that they will do more collabs like this maybe give us even more more minutes more episodes more stuff like that within the animation studio because yeah. i was a huge fan of um vision the ronin episode in visions but back I gotta to watch that i haven't seen it yet yeah it was the first i think it was the first episode um of visions but back to grogu and all this it it was a cute episode zen was i love the music it was very peaceful yeah but i think that was the big takeaway it was very peaceful um yeah. the 2d i really like the 2d and the hand-drawn animation you don't get that much anymore nowadays. So it's actually a nice refresher to actually get hand-drawn animation within all this. So it was a nice surprise for me. Nice. I I, I, I haven't seen the movie as a whole, but I, I like that this style is kind of like a play on the art style for The Tale of Princess Kaguya, mm -hmm. where it's kind of like hand-drawn animation on top of like a blank canvas does that make sense like it's like like most studio ghibli movies it's it's a complete full rich colorful world right where it feels like a complete environment but what makes the tale of princess kaguya which is very interesting that uh, in my understanding or at least the visually it, it feels like a child's book yes. where it's you know like winnie the pooh where it's like mm -hmm big blank pages and like instead of the animation or the colors filling the pages 
the white of the page is what fills the environment and the colors just pop out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, so this is kind of the animation style that they're using here, but with, of course, that kind of, it's not grainy. It feels like a, like the type of thread or silk background that brown background which make it made it all more interesting for me which is funny because it's kind of like the same color cloth that baby grogu actually wears which is that brown um kind of like um monk suit that he kind of wears right but yeah I, I thought it was cute i thought it was great um it was very surprising um i i i like what I like the most about this contribution or this collaboration is the fact that these two studios are still talking to each other, or at least they've restarted conversations. Because if you remember back in, um, I think it was early 2000s, um, Disney was the reason that most of the Ghibli movies premiered in the States because they brought Princess Mononoke, they brought my neighbor Totoro mm -hmm. and all that stuff yeah. to the States um, and got English dubs for them. Um, so I hope that this leads to even more collaborations, to even more stuff because, I mean, Studio Ghibli still Studio Ghibli. It's one of the bigs, it always will be. Um, Isaac, what were your thoughts on, on the short? It's funny because um, everyone that knows me that I will, um, sort of burn out by Star Wars after the whole shit show that is I'm not talking quality wise of the movies now just for reference I'm talking about behind the scenes stuff and all that stuff with uh, the fandom and all uh, with uh, Star Wars but then when I saw Ghibli is doing something Star Wars related I'm just yeah I'm in I need to watch this and then I just uh, heard that this was a short uh, ist so that okay it uh, it will, won't be that long at least and yeah it's cute it's extremely cute it's minimalistic uh, within a, uh, its short time span but it fit as uh, it's a how should I put it it's sort of like uh, uh, Studio Ghibli is flexing their animation skill with a with as a little uh, option as possible. It looks gorgeous, even if it's not as advanced as, let's say, Princess Mononoke or, or Ponyo. Yeah, I love that you mentioned when you say advanced. It's kind of when you talk about advanced or novice or amateur. It's always like a term for skill, right? And I think that's one of the most interesting things about animation is that even something so simple can seem advanced. Does that make sense? And like this particular short is one of those because you can tell that there was a lot of attention paid to the texture. There was a lot of pay, pay, uh, attention pay, uh, given to the music the design um uh, did you notice that like something simple like this that was one of the things that most caught my eye that i found great is that did you notice that in the beginning of the short you know we find grogu meditating 
And he's meditating, floating on water. Did you guys catch that? I didn't catch that he was floating on water. Yeah, he's floating on water. And when the dust bunnies kind of get him like out of sen, quote unquote, um, he starts walking on water and you can see the ripples of water. And then he starts walking on land. Oh, which is I like, yeah. which the I funny thing, which the funny thing about it is, it makes you think, is this canon? Is this quote unquote taking place in his mind as he's training with Luke because he's actively using force powers in a in control fashion? Which, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a little detail, but it's like. I, it's the visual storytelling, which again, you can't really tell unless you really pay attention because of that type of animation choice of the whole, the background is the world and the, and the animations on top of it, right? You can only see like the ripples in black. You really don't see water, but you can see like the dust bunnies falling on water and like drowning and fondling, trying to swim. And then you see Grogu's just levitating on top of it, which is actually super cool. Um, now the, the last little piece that I wanted to mention about the whole short is, did you guys catch the reference that the dust bunnies are belong to? There's two. Go ahead. It's, um, my neighbor Totoro and, um, uh, what was the other one? Um, spirited away. Nice. And it's one of those things, it's, it's like a, it's like another kind of, it's funny because it's a short where both elements or characters, which in a way could be considered mascots of the separate franchises, mm-hmm. are interacting with each other. Also, you can technically put in the Dust Bunnies within the Star Wars universe and it wouldn't take away from it at all. They're aliens. Yeah. So it's perfect. Yes. So good. So good. All this in a four-minute shot. Damn it, Ghibli, you're good. <laughs> I mean, they, they are as good uh, in animation as uh, Hayao Miyazaki's Grumpy. But I yes. digress. I, I, I kind of wonder. I, I, I kind of want to know what the behind-the-scenes conversation was. Like, part of me feels that Maybe the Studio Ghibli came up with something and they had this idea and did, and they went to Zin's like, hey guys, we have this thing with baby with Grogu. Do you guys like it? Or I don't know if Disney commissioned it. But no matter what, I, I, I kinda part of me wants to know what the conversation how that conversation happened. But more importantly, I love that it happened and that we got this. It was great. <laughs> so you guys got anything else on Disney and Studio Ghibli's Star Wars short? I do not. I mean, you can't. Re- I don't have anything either. Uh, <laughs> there is. Uh, they might be good, but there's only so much you can talk about uh, for, uh, for a four minute short. Yeah. But we have fun, which is awesome. Now, guys, if you guys want to check out Zen, Grogu, and Dust Bunnies, um, it's on Disney Plus. If you have a subscription, it's there. It's four minutes. It's cute as hell. 
And if you love anime, you'll love it. If you love Star Wars, you'll love it. If you love Grogu, you'll love it. So I don't see any reason why you wouldn't love this. And if you don't love it, we can't like you. You have no heart. You have no no soul. (laughs) (laughs) I got a feeling like Vader. Like, this is the one thing that Vader likes. Like, like in the background. Like, he's just trying to choke someone for not liking Baby Grogu. (laughs) Um, I I see the meme coming. The meme is coming. Um, Okay, guys. Let's go ahead and move along um, to one of the main reasons why we're doing this today. Ladies and gents, we're back and we're talking Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man. Yes. Am I the only one that no matter how many times I rewatch an episode, I just can't skip the intro? I mean, that's me with every ad anime though so <laughs> uh, see some anime intros i can skip like I, I find them that like i've listened to it enough um it's been going on for like forever so i'm good I, I can skip it i can move on but like some of them are just there like like and and this one kickback is definitely one of them and i don't know i love it every time i watch it also and i pay attention i kind of see one more little nuanced thing happening in the background and it's it's there's a lot about this show that I've been that I'm enjoying now as someone that has read the book and I'm following the show um I, I, I it's funny because I, I thought I was going to be enjoying it more but I'm enjoying it more when I go to, when I do a second watch does that make sense be, because I, I'm finding that this show is so dense like a lot denser than most anime shows. And it requires me to enjoy it because I'm a big thinker in the terms of that. I think way too much and look too much into things um, because I love analyzing things. And Chainsaw Man has just so much of that that I kind of have to watch it once to just turn off my brain and enjoy it. But I enjoy it more when I watch it a second time and start ripping it apart, which is, which is what we're about to do. So guys, let's go jump into Chainsaw Man. We're covering episodes Four, Rescue, and Episode 5, The Gun Devil. Um, now, before we jump in overall and talk about Chainsaw Man and stuff like that, AJ, this is your first time on the show. This is your first time talking Chainsaw Man with us. So I kind of, I, I, we both want to know what's your connection to Chainsaw Man in terms of did you read the book and we're excited for it to come out? Were you just excited for it to come out and were, was waiting for the anime to experience it for the first time? Um, and what are your thoughts of the show so far? For me, I did read the manga at first. And are you caught up? Yes, I am caught up right now. Nice. And when this was announced, I was very, very, very excited, excited for this. It was, I would say, my second most anticipated anime of this year after bleach because we just waited so long for bleach regardless so that's that but chainsaw man yeah right now it's for me the quality of the anime right now feels like an entire movie like they just put yes. their entire budget on this show and it, it just looks so good i love it um for me also it they got everything perfectly down to all the characters. 
uh, from Denji. Love Power. Just very charismatic as always. Just love her. Um, Aki, I love him too. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck up bastard. <laughs> yo, that episode when he just spit on Denji and just yo, that yo. was so disrespectful. So disrespectful. But he deserved that kick in the balls. He did. He did. He did. He did. Not gonna lie, he did. He did. <laughs> I mean, he probably won't be able to have kids though. But <laughs> he, he's not worried about that anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> But yeah, I this show is amazing to me. It's 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 incredible how they can just make these shows into like movie quality. But when we get movies that can't even get to their movie quality, like Dragon Ball, I'm not gonna get into ouch, right now, ouch. <laughs> it is it's yeah. Crazy. It's, it's just crazy to me that the budget is low is lower than usual, but it's still you can still see how how much effort the animators put into the show. Yeah, as yeah, as much as I enjoyed Su- uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero, the animation is certainly not that strong suit in that yes. movie. It's very it's very a downgrade from Dragon Ball Super Super Broly. Um, Broly. Yeah. 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 And it's and it's interesting because I'm glad you guys brought that up because we talked a little bit about the future of animation a while back and the choices that a lot of studios are making in terms of how to how do they enhance the experience of watching these shows, right? And one of the greatest strengths of Chainsaw Man, and I'm gonna mention it also when we talk about Bleach, because Bleach is doing a lot of stuff right, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if not, I would say everything right. Um, but the one thing that Chainsaw Man is doing right is that their focus is not as much to enhance the animation as it is to capture the manga's intent in the animation as as good as as best as possible. Does that make sense? Like, like there's no distinction between the panels and the series. Yeah, I was I would say the art style is what stands out. Yeah, yeah. It's... And and they're using and, and what they're doing and, and the cool thing is is that there's a lot of like um Tatsuki Fujimoto, the way he draws, it's very nuanced. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of personality to the drawings and a lot of personality in the terms of trying to capture the character's mood. Does that make sense? Like he has a way of capturing the character. Like when you see a character that he draws, you can already tell, okay, this person's intention or this person is scared or this person is excited. Like he has a way of transmitting so much of that in, in just a black and white manga panel. And I think that that's what, one of the things that they're doing a great job in this because the only way, the only reason they use the advancements of 3D animation is to enhance everything that's already there so in like in and when you go to something like dragon ball superheroes super superhero i don't know there's a lot of supers there <laughs> it's it's like they made the 3d animation goal like this like this is the way we're telling the story period yeah as opposed like in super broly because i did see that movie um is that they use the strengths of their animation style 
and just use the, the CG to enhance that. So even when you saw the CG, it really didn't stagger. It didn't stagger the experience and it didn't really turn you off. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, like because you know how and, like, and 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 it makes and it takes me back to like like for, and the funny thing is Wit Studio, I I wonder if Mappa took a took a lesson from Wit Studio, because as you guys know, Studio Wit did Attack on Titan, from seasons one to three, right? I think it was. So one of the big causes of concern and um, complaints complaints from a lot of the fans was the idea of doing a lot of titans cg only which happened a lot with like colossal titan um the the, the big titan in season three and stuff like that and it, you can notice that they kind of listened to the studio they kind of listened to the fans because by the end of season three the titans look a lot more refined even though there's a lot of cg in there but now when you get to season the final season and mappa does it they found a way to make the CG Titans work. Does that make sense? Like there's a lot of motion capture and stuff like that um, and it enhances the experience. It doesn't turn it back. So MAPPA is now showing a lot of the stuff that they've employed in Final Attack and Titan, things they've done toward Jujutsu Kaisen and other animes. And I feel like Chainsaw Man has gotten, it's the, kind of the fruits of everything they've learned. Does that make sense? Because it's, it feels so cinematic nothing takes away from the experience of what you're enjoying and i'm having a, a great time watching this show <laughs> I, I will say that even though the look like the characters character designs are great with the cg design my only issue is is that the animation itself of the cg is still a little bit off you mean off like with the titans or here oh for a chainsaw man so chainsaw man okay so when you look at Chance, I would say Chance Chancel Man is a character. Mm -hmm. The design itself looks good. Yeah, but my issue is the animation of the CG is still a little off to me. If that makes sense. It no, no, it, it makes sense. For me, it doesn't match the backgrounds or any of the other characters at all. Oh, like it's it stands like, out a lot. Yeah, it, it stands out way too much for itself as itself but i think it does get a little bit better when you actually see him fight the bat the bat devil yes i, I, I see yes. it's definitely a lot better from from the first episode till what was the bat devil episode the third episode yeah the third episode yeah i i get what you're saying like in in the first in the in the pilot episode there is a lot of when he be actually becomes chainsaw man um it feels like a CG character inside of an animated show. Yeah. As opposed to like, yeah, especially there's moments there um, when he's standing still. Mm -hmm. That's when you kind of notice it. <laughs> but once you have him moving and jumping around and doing all this, it kind of flows a lot better because yeah. everything looks blurry because it's going so fast. But But I get what you're saying. I think you're right. And I think... When you, by the time you get to the bad devil fight, it does look a lot cleaner, a lot, a lot, like, it yeah, looks better. So, so hopefully, uh, hopefully it's something that gets better over time because I do see what you're seeing. And I, I do sense. find it strange in animation as a whole, though, that they still can't get CG right. But when you get to like Disney or 
Americanized CG, it's more refined, more so. I'm not sure if it's just the technology itself that's a bit outdated over there than over here. I think it's more with the combination of the mediums. Because because hand-drawn animation, it's always going to look distinctively different. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's like, for example, like, there's no way that you put Vash the Stampede from Trigun and Vash <laughs> the Stampede from Trigun Stampede. Yeah. And unless you know what you're looking at and to key, and apart from key features, they don't look like the same character. They don't feel like the same character. I mean, we haven't seen anything about yeah. it, but you, you know what I mean? It's because they're so, it's so, the, those are two very different worlds. So, so I think the trick is, I think there's always going to be some type of, there's always going to be a degree of discrepancy there, I think. And I think it's, I, I think it's the best studios find a way to make compromise, to make it as seamless as possible. Yeah. And like, for example, one of the decisions that I found great is that in this episode, um, when the leech devil starts attacking and or 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 threatens to attack and denji tries to go full chainsaw he doesn't have a cg chainsaw coming out of his hat you know what i mean like it was an animated chainsaw um and then it didn't look weird throughout you know what i mean stuff like that so but i get what you're saying and i i think i think what i'd like about it is though is that they use it in very specific moments for every time they use it there's a purpose for it and I think you either like it or you don't, but I think that overall everything they're doing is so great that you can kind of those are the kind of things you forgive, right? Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, now going into the episode, so this is the conclusion of the Miawi arc. That's what we're going to call it, and <laughs> it's either it's it's either the Miawi arc or the Boobs Man show. So the arc, no, that's still ongoing. Had- that's still ongoing, but yeah. Well, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, the let, arc let, you had to save the pussy to. Uh, whoa, get whoa, some whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's on right. our bi-weekly review of Boob Grab Man. Um, <laughs> yes. Now let's. So we pick up directly where it left off, where he slays the bat devil because he will not die until he cops a feel. And, <laughs> but there's a, now here's the thing about Chainsaw Man. It's ridiculous, right? We all know that Denji's doing all of these things because he wants to grab a boob. He's never done it before. He's always wanted to do it. Um, but he's trying to do this to cop a feel, right? It's a fact. No one can deny it. And I, I love how, it has that has this fully cooly quality, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of fully cooly. Friends of the show know this, um, and it's that it creates these outrageous situations that are ridiculous and funny and and derogatory to a degree. But there's a lot of interesting truths that the author has wants to talk to the audience about. But he does this through this ridiculousness, right? And I want to I want to read something here that literally is these is verbatim stuff that Denji says as he's fighting with the Leech Devil, and he says, 
I guess your fancy dreams make you guys hot shit. And then he says, but if I murderize you, that means that your dreams are weaker than fondling a tit. <laughs> now, that line is so powerful because one of the arguments, and it's funny because it actually coincides with One Piece, is that the, the main thesis of One Piece is chase your dreams, whatever they are. Can we all agree on that? Yep. That's like that's like the main thesis of that whole book. And it just becomes amazing because you keep adding you keep adding new areas, new places, new characters, and it just expands and expands and expands. But that's like the driving force of that, right? No matter how big the scale gets to, apart from the fact that they're fighting dragons now, even though I'm not cut up. But <laughs> but the fact that this is still a show where we're presented to a guy that's just dreaming of a better life. And, and his dreams seem small. And I love the argument that this show, in a way, is also about dreams or the idea of dreams. And I think one of the most important messages of the show, which is very interesting that the author is communicating it this way, is that the size of the dream doesn't matter. It's what you're willing to do to make it happen which which or what what you're willing to, which is kind of like a Lex Luthor quote like like he's willing to do whatever it means to to be the better man right even if it includes genocide and a bunch of evil stuff because he's Lex Luthor but i find that to be an interesting conversation um did you did you guys catch that as you were watching the show like this commentary in the background For me personally, I did not see that. I like I like the way you're going with that, but for me, I think it's the entire concept of making fun of dreams is the thing that I saw most of. It's, yeah, it's yeah. the fact that dingy dream is not even a dream; it's just a want, basically. Right. He just wants to do it, and to get to the fact that he gets it eventually he just loses all motivation after that it's like i don't care about anything else i'm just going to zone out basically right. and the quote you just said um i don't even think any of the other characters have dreams they just want they just they just have revenge thoughts and all of that they don't really care about the future they just want the end of devils and that's it they don't really care about their lives, except for um, shit. What's the what's the who is um Aki's teacher? Um, um, the, the whoa, 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 whoa. He hasn't been, he, he hasn't, yeah, he, hasn't, he hasn't been introduced in the show yet. Oh, okay, yeah. We're, so, we're still, so no spoilers. We're still, okay. <laughs> yeah. no, I thought you talked about the I, I'll, I'll say that one night, chick. No, not Jimeno. Jimeno was a partner. He learned a lot from her, but it wasn't like a teacher, really, uh, apart from bad habits. <laughs> but, um, spoiler. Um, but I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, the idea of dreams and also making fun of dreams. Um, now, it, it, we could even simplify this even further, right? It's, it's, there's a conversation about goals here. And, and like you can say that you want something, but are you willing to do what it takes to get it? 
are you willing to do what's needed to fondle a tit? That's the question. I mean, that sounds very perverse. That is not our intention. We're examining art people. We're not trying to... <laughs> We're not, we're not trying to encourage people to fondle tits. Wait, hold on, I mean, hold on, hold on. Let, let's, there is no man on this earth that does not. <laughs> let, let's be real here. Unless you're gay, there is no man on earth that didn't want to fondle tits. Come on now. Truth. If it, it, somebody rejects this notion, they're in denial. They are in denial. Just Just I don't know why, but um, Isaac <laughs> Isaac is laughing because he's so proud of your statement of boobgate. <laughs> boobgate, the chainsaw man. <laughs> yes. If Mike was here, he was just go bad, bad. Yes, yes. Um, he's but, just trying to be nice. He know he knows what it is. Yes, he know what it is. Yes. Yeah, but no, there's a point that you have a point. And, and that's the kind of thing that makes Denji so interesting because like you mentioned, like Denji doesn't have a dream. He has a want, right? But we can't forget that this is a kid that had nothing. Yeah. So he doesn't know, like to him, having the littlest thing is a big dream. It's everything. It's everything. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so it's, it's. It goes back to that conversation that he has with Aki in the hospital in this episode too, where he literally tells Aki, I may not dream as big as you guys, and I may not have like this big thing to fight for like you guys, but I I am as serious as y'all. I am as serious as you can ever be about anything. Which again goes back to the idea that, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, you can talk the talk, but if you don't walk the walk, then you yeah. can just shut up. You know, and it's such a basic principle in life, which I just find so interesting that this is the kind of conversation that he's hiding, that the mangaka is hiding between all this boob nonsense, which again, worse to live by, boobgate. But and, and <laughs> not to forget, you, you just talk about this. Denji really didn't really have any parents to begin with anyway. So right, right. his immaturity is still in this age right now he is he is still a little kid at heart and right right naive exactly. yeah. he's been manipulated nonstop since he was since he lost his dad at whatever age yeah so like he's lived all his life people telling him what to do and he really didn't think for himself i mean he's he's think for himself but he still lived yeah, no chained or imprisoned to other people so this is like the first time you get some type of independence and you know sometimes you have to dream boob before you can dream bigger something bigger yeah yes <laughs> it can be anything but something bigger than just exactly something very specific like he says in episode five but we're gonna get to there in a minute now we so he's fighting the leech devil he's he's having a dream battle which by the way sounds so spice girls <laughs> Like, he can be such the cheesiest guy, but then Henny has chainsaw coming out ahead. I love Denji. He's great. Um, now, one of the things that this episode starts with is the whole flashback for power. Um, now, what I find interesting about Power's character is we're, we learned that demons just want the death of humans, right? Mm 
But the one thing about fiends that's interesting is that fiends are like a mixture, is when a devil takes control of a human's body. So in power, when she has this whole like monologue about blood and what she learns from it, it's like without she understanding it or knowing it, it's like even though she's a demon, she's understanding the kind of things that human find pleasant, which is why she's saving Miaoi. Because you see her kill all these animals. And originally in episode three, when she talked about Miaoi, she talks about with love and whatever, but she also says, I want you to fill, get filled up and be strong and fat so then I can eat you. <laughs> but now we're seeing this side of her where like she understands that there's something about blood. There's a warmth in blood that's pleasurable. But we all know that warm only stays, blood only stays warm when it's in a live body. Yeah. So it's like she's finding a way or a reason to, to accept life as something that she can respect, even though she lives off blood, which I, I find it interesting. Because you have different types of characters. You have Aki that wants to kill devils no matter what, right? You have Denji, which is a human that has the powers of a devil. Which again, very important distinction. And then you have fiends like power, which is the devil that takes control of a human body. And I love how complex these relationships are. And I love how they keep expanding the idea of contracts. Um, and for the first time, we're introduced to the fact that Aki has a contract with a demon. Now, we are thinking of the anime only, guys. So when you guys saw this, read this, that devil hunters make deals with contracts. Because think about it. This is the first time this comes to light. Because a lot of the things that we're learning of this world, we're learning through Denji's eyes, right? Mm -hmm. When you found out that not only that not, that actual devil hunters make active contracts with demons, how did you guys like that as a means of there's no key or chakra or whatever is that the power levels or the abilities come from the different contracts that devil hunters have? What do you what do you feel about that dynamic in this world? Did Isaac, you want to go first? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, the, I mean, it, it makes sense to have the whole dynamic uh, going with this thing of uh, fight fire with fire, so to speak. Yeah. Because uh, then you arguably makes the, uh, would make this whole uh, world uh, overly convoluted if you have suddenly uh, devils and then you have angels and then you... Yeah, uh, for oh, then you have to explain how the angels work, and then, uh, oh, well, I was going. Uh, uh, you get what you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's a simple and reasonable way to have the quote unquote power levels in this. Yeah. In this uh, series. Yeah. AJ. Yeah, um, I like the contract thing. I, I, there's still a limit to what you can do, um, based on 
what that specific devil is. So the stronger the the stronger the thing is, the um the concept of whatever the devil is 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 as strong as you can is the strength that you have. And also right. if you form a contract, I really love this idea that you have to sacrifice a part of your body yeah. to get that contract. It comes at a price. Yes. And it and it goes to the full metal alchemist type of um, equivalent power. exchange, yeah. Yeah. And I really I really like that. And that's also a, another duality between the rest of the cast and Denji. Yeah. Denji didn't have to form a contract with his devil. If anything, the devil saved him so that he didn't have to sacrifice any really much anything. Well, technically he had to sacrifice his heart, but right. He well, also, he didn't have a heart. He was dead. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes. But yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. I know what you but, mean. It wasn't <laughs> like there was there was a contract, but because there was a friendship, so I like it, a relationship. Yeah. It wasn't a harmful contract in a way. Yeah, um, it, it, was it, like, was a it was like mutual, mutually that. beneficial. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Um, you're right. I think the, the most interesting thing about contracts is that contracts, the point of a contract is that it's a transaction. It's an agreement or an exchange. The but, more power you want, the more you have to give up. Right. And the type of contract and the type of devil will designate the type of contract. And I love how that acts, that adds so much complexity and variety. Like, it's like, as soon as you learn that, um, that even the good guys do it this way, right? It's like, it opens like a Pandora's box. Like, oh, wait, this world just got huge, right? Like, and I love how little by little they've been opening the world, like one little side, a little edge at a time like a little bit and now it's just blew up because so wait so every single devil hunter at a certain level gets a contract oh wait so this person has a contract with this, this person has a contract with that wait if makima is that high who does she have a contract with you know what i mean like it, yeah. it it gets you thinking about all these things it makes the world so much deeper and interesting um and i i i, I by the way it's i i do find it so cool that he has to do like the shape of the fox to be able it's, to activate it, it. I really do love that, yes. Yeah. And he just goes, con. It's just, it was, that was that's just great. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, now, I, I like the idea that it's transactional. It varies what they take, what he takes, and stuff like that, the, the, the devil that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but another thing that brings up, because it comes back to the fact of contracts, right? The idea that a devil's power is based on how much society fears that yeah. one thing. Which I don't know if you ever played Persona Five. I haven't. But one of the elements of Persona Five is society and the zeitgeist or the heart of society. Like where all the thoughts of society or the state of mind of society become or are examined as one thing right Mm -hmm. and i love how in this episode in particular there's this little flashback that aki kind of sees the different how the different people in the public react to denji 
like this interaction and this is not really a spoiler because we're already starting to introduce it but you and i both know that throughout the book um the author goes out of his way to introduce moments where we're just seeing people talking about denji like how people react to him and what he does is like a very important factor in the story mm -hmm. so i like that angle also and how that influences devils and stuff like that it influences the role of of Denji as Chainsaw Man. And um, I don't know, I, I love the whole contract thing and it's great. Now, one of the things that I found interesting about this chapter in particular, uh, so we can close it out and go to the next one, is, I don't know if you've noticed, what are what have your thoughts been about the pacing of these episodes so far? Because I was making some observations and there's a lot of interesting stuff happening um with the pacing and i wanted to see uh what were your thoughts on it um so far how, how have you how have you felt the pacing uh i can't really put my finger on it right now um i would i would say that it is going a little bit fast but at yeah. the same time it needs to do that because uh, it goes through the manga type issue, um, but the issue was with the manga at first anyway, is that the Arthur was already rushed into finishing the finishing his manga to begin with. So I think that's part of the issue. But at the same time, if you're just going from anime to manga, I feel I feel like the pacing is correct by the manga. But yeah. at the same time, it still feels rushed because the manga was rushed to begin with to finish it up. It's this it's specifically this anime that's so specific. I can't really put my finger on it at this moment mm -hmm. that I, I can't really say. So I'm going to say something to, to put it in perspective, because I actually went ahead and did the research because I found something so interesting is that one of the things that I notice from the get-go, um, especially from episode two onward, because episode one is a fantastic premiere, but it's a very cut and dry beginning to end arc, right? It feels like the first movie. Yeah. Very clear, not too convoluted, not a, not a lot happens, but the important things that need to happen, happen. And it's the only episode so far that has been a full 25 minutes, right? So, that is only chapter one. And those that read manga know that most of the times the first chapter in a manga is the longest. Longest, yeah. It's either 30, 40, 50, maybe up to 68 pages. Um, because, of course, they have a lot to do to set up the world. And after that, it goes down to 15, 20. 16 to maybe 23 pages per chapter. So um, that's one of those things that, of course, affects the pacing and affects the story but again it makes sense for the type of shows that they are now so episode one is only chapter one right episode two covers chapter two and all the way almost to chapter five and a half. Oh, so it doesn't even finish it right that's where i was oh, going with this okay. and then chapter three does five and a half all the way to chapter eight. So they are finding a way to do 
to do whatever they want with the story where you can binge it and feel that the connectivity is seamless and you can watch it individually and still have good cliffhangers. Oh, and that also helps for even the non-manga readers. It, yeah. That helps them space it out a little bit as well. Yeah, and, and it's super and it's super interesting because I, um, Mike always takes the time to do this type of exercise for my hero. And I did it for the first time here because I was kind of looking at the pacing and trying to understand um, why it does what they do and how they do it. And I noticed this crazy stuff. Wait a minute. So one, one episode is like three chapters and a half. The other one's like five chapters. And then I just found this so fascinating because so, so we're, we're chapter, where episode two ends, that's already episode chapter five and a half. And then it keeps on going on chapter three. So I find it interesting that they're finding these moments to stop, to then move on, to give the proper exposition. That's why the chat, that's why the episodes feel so dense. Like if you watch episodes two and also you know, and you also notice that in episode, in this episode four, it feels like it's at some point, it feels like two episodes in one because the, the first half of that episode feels like it belongs to a different story mm-hmm. and the second half of the episode feels like it belongs to a second to another story and when you look at it, especially in this chapter i noticed it um when you go literally to minute number 15 that's the aftermath of the of the leech devil battle and then it goes all into this whole living situation with power which is the whole end of the chapter Wow. Yeah, and, and 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 it's so so fascinating the way they do it because it, it it creates it allows it to be dense, but you don't get lost in it. But it also gives you that sense of there's something new with every episode. But the one thing that I wanted to know over there, everybody listening to this, I wanted y'all to know, like I wanted to know. Do you guys feel sometimes that when you watch the episodes of Chainsaw Man, the shifts in tone come out of nowhere? <laughs> I think that's why it's happening because of how they're meshing a lot of chapters together. Now, again, everything is top notch. The content is phenomenal. Like I'm not complaining about it, mm-hmm. but I would say it is a it's an issue if it's an issue. But it's an issue that you can live with, but it is something that they're actively deciding to do. Just like one of the things that they've actively decided to do is to, yeah, right? I'm glad you noticed it, Meta. Thank you for joining us on the stream. Um, and it's something that they're actively, it's, a, it's an active creative decision because just like their decision was the opening is not going to inform the story. But every single ending and every single episode is different, and that's going to inform the story. Which, by the way, they're working backwards. Did you find that interesting, AJ? Like, we're getting a different ending with every episode. Yeah, that is. I actually really enjoy that. It's really cool. Yeah, I really like that, though. I mean, it's a perfect way to kind of like, oh, you want to have a special edition for the season two? Well, here you have a. Uh, a CD or a digital album that you can buy for an extra extra pr- uh, price, kind of deal. Yeah, 
I mean, 12 episodes with 12 different songs is uh, pretty much an album in itself. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And the fact that they got animators from other studios to animate the different endings. Because I don't think they're all from this, from MAPPA, or, or at least there's different groups from MAPPA or whatever. But um, each ending informs the story in one way, shape, or form, informs what's coming or what's happening, what's being teased. Um, and also, I don't know if you guys notice, Chainsaw Man does not have previews. Did you guys notice that? I really don't look at previews anyway, so I... Same. And I don't, and I don't usually do that. But I, I, I was watching the the chapters and I would have think, and I noticed that, and I find that so peculiar because. Tell me an anime that doesn't have previews. Like, like ninety percent of anime have previews of what's coming next. Which I which, suppose. Which which leads me to the idea that, because of how much content is being pushed in uh, you know what this show so far reminds me of it reminds me of Zack schneider's justice league which is a four hour movie that you can easily split into four parts like i think it's i think that if i think this is being built like if you wanted to binge the whole season you it's could. gonna feel yeah. like one unit as opposed to yeah yeah it's gonna feel like just one big unit i, um, I could see somebody on reddit making a a huge <laughs> a huge spread yeah yeah i can see that happening yeah so so yeah so this chapter is phenomenal there's a lot of stuff power goes nuts at the house which is hilarious as always but of course yeah. So we started with the battle for the dream of one day being a man with a tit in his hand. And how does the chapter, how does the episode end, guys? <laughs> what, what can you tell me how this episode ends? <laughs> he is loading for the um, he's embracing impact, so so to speak. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what a cliffhanger, right? Like Again, power is just doing her part in the deal that was that was made. <laughs> but she locks him in a bathroom, which, by the way, aggressive. And then I he mean, freaks her out. A apart from the fact, okay, let's 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 just think about this though, and how blinded he is with his dreams. He's cleaning her shit that won't come off the toilet. Nasty. Yes nasty yes but she locks in the door she locks himself herself in the bathroom with him tells him that it's time to pay up so she's paying up her breast for three fondles and the chat and the episode ends with she's an angel <laughs> like how does that make sense and of course the ending of this episode is just a tribute of how power will always be the main character in her story and she believes she's the main character in every story. <laughs> I mean, she is, she's a fiend of her word. What do you want to call yes. it? Yes. Now, it goes right into episode five, The Gun Devil, right? 
Um, and the, the, the whole fondle happens, all that happens. He gets three fondles. And of course, he learns so much about what women do to trick guys. <laughs> the, the tricks of appearances, right? Um, which again, it's perfectly fine. If, if it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's the magic of makeup and clothing and, and all that stuff, right? Um, he has a he gets a harsh reality, but one of the things that happens after the three squeezes of power is he feels empty. He was flabbergasted by the fact that it happened, and then he feels empty. And then we have a nice morning with Aki. Oh, I mean, no, that was before. Which, by the way, Aki is so an interesting character. But let's fast forward into the main event of this episode, right? Which is the when he starts having a conversation with Makima. So, when as this conversation went on, because we talked about dreams on the previous episode, right, guys? We talked on the previous episode that we covered right now, episode four, him fighting for his dreams... His dreams may be smaller, but he's going to fight for them with the same seriousness as everybody else. And then his dream is fulfilled because he fondled. And he now feels empty, which again proposes another philosophical and interesting question, which is, is the journey more important than the goal? Like, this kid is having these such profound questions which is very interesting even though he just did what he wanted to do but what do you guys think about this internal analysis that denji's having <laughs> i mean it makes i mean it makes sense that you would uh, think about uh, yeah, when you have uh, have found a goal uh, what else do you have to do, kind of deal? Because uh, we always... It's sort of like a goal. A goal is what uh, keeps on uh, us going, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, uh, there. Uh, that's one of the main reasons of... Uh, or main reason. Main appeal of One Piece. You follow uh, Luffy's journey and, uh, to get, well, the One Piece. And yeah. uh, and then and it won't be the same sort of like the, uh, if they would be to continue uh, once that one uh, the one piece is found. Right, right, and like especially now where the, that particular journey has taken us to so many wondrous um, places and locations, right? You could even say that the whole thing about Gold Roger's initial intent was, I just wanted people to explore and live life to the fullest. Which, again, it would be kind of a cop-out, but at the same time, I wouldn't blame it because of it's, it kind of goes with the thesis of the show, right? Um, now, of course, he's not telling this to just anybody. He's telling this to Makama. Now, what happens next, <laughs> it's pretty intense for anybody 
because I think we can all agree here that 14, 15, 16-year-old us would have probably reacted the same way as Zenji reacted. Yeah. Can we all raise our hands? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, not only... So she was very tender, very nice in terms of just asking him, like, hey, like kind of big sister-like, kind of. Like, hey, uh... let me finish. Calm down. <laughs> I'm not playing the Your Yuri incest, incest card. That's not what I'm doing. Calm down, you Game of Thrones. Um, what I'm trying... Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, that's before we see her intent, right? Because as she asks and Denji says, I had this dream. I had this goal. My goal was to touch a boob. I did it, and I now I feel empty. And I think it's kind of bullshit that I feel empty because I, I got what I wanted. And then suddenly, she goes to answer the question. And I love how the character of Makima is so interesting. Because in the beginning, we do see her as someone that kind of rescues Denji, right? But from the get-go, we know that she's talking to him like a dog, like an animal. Like, we know that from the start. But when you see her interacting with everybody else, like Power, and you see him interacting with Aki, you can clearly see that Makima has a leech on everybody around her. So she's just a puppet master. She just finds ways to say what they want to hear to keep them happy. Like, that moment where she, in the previous episode, where she approves for Power to join Aki and Denji in the apartment, and Aki's just freaking out because Aki because Power's being stupid, and and she simply says, "You're the one that I trust the most." You can see Aki blushing, and he goes, "Okay." <laughs> Again, super simp moment on Aki's <laughs> on Aki's side. Um, Aki's like super leader, super cute, um, super um, tidy, but also a huge simp for Makima. Like it's. If you ever, if you thought that he was just being an asshole to Denji before, I think it's confirmed. Am I wrong? <laughs> like he just will do anything for that woman. But it kind of shows, goes to show how she has everybody around, wrapped around her finger. So based on that, she literally tells Denji what he wants to hear, and she says it's not that the journey doesn't matter is that it depends who you take the journey with. And of course, because he's a 15-year-old horny kid, she uses a sex analogy. I and mean, she's kind of right also. And it's she's 100% right. She's 100% right. But we know she's not teasing. She's not teaching sex ed. That's not what she's doing. <laughs> She's playing into this guy's hormones. <laughs> like it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. When you guys saw this whole thing play out, um, which, by the way, is almost panel per panel how it happens in the book, which I love. Um, what was your guys' first reaction when all this happened? Well, you gotta, you guys got to think about, about the huge philosophical question. The want versus the need. Yes. We all know 
that he wants the one. And Makama knows what he wants. Yeah. And she, I, I just feel like throughout this episode, she was, she was trying to stir her, stir him the way from the need and get him to the want, to get him to want some more instead of get him to where he needs to be at. And I really, really like this because this also speaks to Makama's characterization of her using everybody, especially Denji yes. and everybody. And you can also see this with everybody's past that she's using their past experiences to get what she wants or to get what she needs, I would yes. say. And uses everybody's wants and everybody's, I just feel like everybody's wants is something that's not even just superficial. It's, I think Denji is the only one that's really superficial and everybody else's is valid, but it's still a want and not really a need for everybody else. Whereas Makuma knows what she needs and she's using everybody else to get, get to that point. Right. And you can see hints of that within this episode. And I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great way of um, like Makuma always has a double standard. Yeah. You know, she always has something up her sleeve, which they're very long sleeves. Um, and I love I mean, how. Uh, every, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, she's the, per, uh, I guess you can call her the perfect uh, manipulative uh, dominatrix in this regard. Right. It's funny that you say <laughs> that because it's on one side, on one side, right? Um, I find it interesting that she's manipulating everybody using their grief and, and she's also manipulating Denji and how that informs the character of Denji is that the only thing that Denji has been throughout his whole life is manipulated. He doesn't know how to exist without that. So to him, it makes perfect sense the type of transactional interaction that he has with people. It doesn't surprise him that all relationships could be transactional mm -hmm. because the only real relationship that we ever had was with Poshida. You know, which again also kind of started with the transaction. So, like, he's used to that type of nuance. And I like how, as he starts to ask himself these questions and explore a different way to live his life, you know what I mean? Um, someone comes back and says, Oh, no, this is the answer. Here, now just follow me so you can get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that line about sex, about the idea of, Literally saying, the better you know the person, the better it is, which of course, it's 100% the truth. And, but also it plays into the idea that, no, 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 the journey, the destination only is amazing if, the, if you have the journey with the right person. Which is kind of like, again, using the right words, like you were saying, to get him in her thing. Which, again... After all this happens, she not only does the whole thing with the hands and the ear and the biting and all of the stuff that that still happened, <laughs> which is great. And then when when she puts his hand on her boob, 
and then he just jumps out freaked out you think that she's going to try and insinuate more but then she applies the ultimate icebreaker can i ask you something because again she just wants something that was just the way to create a captive audience which again if you want to have a captive audience from a 15 year old that's the way to do it which is horrible and hilarious <laughs> but um but from there we're introduced to the next arc which we find out about the gun devil and what a great way of not only giving us a somewhat of a main antagonist which we didn't have before right um uniting all the different characters in the show in the same direction which we didn't have before but also built upon the facts of the world where what led to this gun devil being so powerful is because everybody feared guns and that's why it was so powerful that it did as much damage as it is and what a great way to just incorporate aki's backstory which was brilliant and almost panel for panel when you guys read this for the first time um, do you did, did your feelings against Aki change in any way? Do you still feel him to be stuck up, or or did you ease on him a little bit? He he's still definitely stuck up. But when yes. I read that chapter, it I wouldn't say I sympathize with him. He's still a dick, but, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, nice. You can't just help but feel bad for him, like especially for what happened. Yeah, it's it's a terrible, terrible thing to happen, and it's a terrible pass. So I can't say, or maybe I can't say he's still a dick. I'm I'm gonna keep saying this. He's still a dick, one hundred percent a dick. Yeah, but uh, that that. That scene was strong. That's that scene was oh my god. That that scene was strong. He's even a dick to his brother. Hold on, no. I'm not I'm not gonna sympathize with him. No, he's <laughs> even a dick to his brother. So no. I, I'm just gonna stay yes. I'm just gonna stay on that. Yes. Yes. We, and again, it's like he was the typical jealous kid yeah. that was jealous of his little brother because he was getting all the attention, but he was getting all the attention because he was sick. He was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, like I wanna play with dad. But damn it. Yeah, he was you're right. He's a dick. He was he was a dick through and through. He's still a dick. But you know, there's some emotion. Yeah. Deep some inside. Emotion. There you go. Yeah, there you go. This uh this dick. So <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like I, I like the backstory. I like I think what you get more from the story is why he renders himself somewhat emotionless. Um, and it's not till he interacts more with power and Genji that his emotions kind of come out in a sense. Yeah. Because even when, I mean, because uh, even when you get that, I'll be right with you, Isaac. Even when you get that flashback towards the end of the episode where him and Jimeno met, um, you can tell that he he does have that wall towards people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which again, the only people that he cared about to a degree died in an instant which again you kind of don't want to get close to someone in the world where people can die in an instant you know so so you kind of understand that type of 
um, hesitation or <clears throat> dickness. So, <laughs> but go ahead, Isaac. I was just gonna say, yeah, I'm completely with a agent this one as much. I feel, I feel more sorry about his family than in uh, than him. him in, <laughs> yeah, than him in general because yeah, they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, 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 and uh, I mean, I can understand if you get to become a stillness bastard. Yeah. or whatever you want to call it after that that I will admit but yeah, yeah he's still a dick yeah. and uh, I it makes sense that you will change uh, sort of like change character when you live with the people like you yeah. <laughs> like yes. uh, then yes. yeah. you have no choice I, I love how as we move forward and learn more of the gun devil like so the idea is that there's pieces of bullets that are part of the gun devil's flesh. And it's very Inuyasha, right? With the, with the weird stone that they're trying to catch. I don't, the, the Shishom jewel, whatever it was called, that they're trying to get shards of it. That was kind of like the driving, that was the MacGuffin of the whole Inuyasha series, um, um, which I know that Isaac loves. And... <laughs> but um, I'd like the MacGuffin of the, of the bullets um, and how they're trying to find peas of the gun devil to one day catch him and take him down and we're introduced of course to more detail to um, team uh, other members of Division 4 which is the name of the group that Denji belongs to um, and they're going on the next arc where they're going to this hotel that apparently is eating up devil hunters and um, Denji has made up, and Denji's just talking and bragging about how he's going to be celibate forever until someone offers a French kiss. <laughs> Denji the horn dog, guys. <laughs> I wonder if you guys noticed something that I didn't think of when I read the manga. What was Did that? you notice uh, uh, the floor specifically floor when they started to go wait didn't you go up you know the that he got stuck in the specific floor did you catch what number it was eight yes and what does uh, how does eight look it's infinite yeah it's an infinite yeah yeah it's infinite. i didn't think about that uh, yeah until, it was like, a good touch <laughs> yeah it was a great it was a great thing that was awesome. And um, it's good that you mentioned that because one of the things that I was going to mention is that, and I want your guys' take on this as we close the conversation on Chainsaw Man. One of the things that I love about the anime in particular is that the visual storytelling of this anime is superb. Like, there's a lot of show and not tell things in this anime that I find so interesting and so amazing. And like one of those moments that captured my imagination when I rewatched the episode um, was specifically in this section, right? Where they're going into the, uh, into the hotel and is there's a shot, no comments, right? 
when they when they kill the little head fiend and it stains the wall with blood you have a shot of Jimeno talking about her powers or whatever and you kind of have the camera focus on the blood and then when they start walking and going up the stairs and they come back the one thing that that particular devil hunter focuses on is not the number of the floor the first thing he looks at is the blood stain it's a very particular and brilliant show tell uh storytelling is thing which by the way it's anime only it's not in the book so there's a lot of story bits that they're adding to expand the story and make it interesting even when they're condensing so many chapters into one episode because guys this particular episode captures chapter 12 all the way to 15 and a half lies yeah lies. yeah it's three it's it's 12 13 14 and 15 that's four and a half chapters in one episode it's fascinating how they do it and tell me yeah, that the cliffhanger is not perfect they stopped in the middle of a chapter and the cliffhanger feels perfect yeah cliffhanger is perfect so what do you think aj no it i just blew your mind right <laughs> you you really did <laughs> first off i didn't even realize that him looking at the blood stain first wasn't in the manga. For some reason, I thought I saw that in the manga. I'm no, I checked. Back. I checked, bro. It I'm was. It was. I was surprised. Back. Yeah. So, there's little details like that that just it's really amazing. Yeah, it shows the care that they're putting into this, you know. And um, the current, the relationships with the character. I mean, you got to think how much money did it go into making these twelve episodes, and. And not only that, we're only in episode five. So we're almost halfway through the core, right? Or through the yeah. season. And we've already covered 15 and a half chapters. That's a lot. That's a lot. Like one of the things that, my, that Mike always says about my hero is that normally they cover two to maybe three chapters per episode. So that's probably six more chapters more than my hero. Almost. But it, the pacing, again, I, I have this feeling that for some reason they're, they, they're building it in a way where it's meant to be watched all at once, which I kind of want to do that exercise also when it's over, like we'll just watch it and see if my theory holds water. <laughs> um, and of course, it ends with a great ending, which the ending literally just teases the whole infinite of things. And it teases a lot of stuff that's coming. Because I don't know if you guys notice, and this this is a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler. One of the pieces of art of infinity, if I'm not mistaken, is an infinite chainsaw. Wait, what? Yeah, like there's this there's this picture. I, I might be wrong. It's either thorns or a chainsaw, but it's like it's like this. It's like a strand that goes into like in a warped infinity thing or a warp like an infinity symbol but it's like warped and like bent and it's made of a chainsaw which is kind of like a tease and a spoiler for what's coming which again cool. yeah they're they're just crazy 
like the whole imagery with the horses, the different kinds of horses. Again, uh, did you guys notice that there's kind of like a pun at Deadpool here? There's a plush unicorn in this ending. <laughs> Which I don't know if it's if it's a pun at Deadpool, but I wouldn't be surprised. Because when you think, again, it's spoilers for next week's episode, but it's not a spoiler. I'm trying to say in the least spoilery fashion. There's something that happens that links Infinity not only to the floor, but to Denji's character. And those that have read the manga know what I'm talking about. But one of the things about that distinguishes Deadpool is what? He can't die. He has like almost unlimited regeneration. And one is one of the motifs that distinguish Deadpool. What does he love? Unicorns. <laughs> I mean, there is a... And not only unicorns, to... there's plushy unicorns. A plush. Deadpool 2, he has a plush unicorn, which he uses for special time. But go this ahead. This is ending and... 6, right? What was that? This is ending 6, right? This is ending 5. This is the 5th episode. Five, five. Yeah, I mean... Five, yeah. the... I mean, this is uh, this is the same show that has a reference to Attack on the of the Killing Tomatoes. Uh, yes, yes. Opening, so yeah, I the, can't believe it's a cool re- reference. Yeah, but how it re- the, like relates to the show is just fascinating. But yeah, I don't know, guys. Do you guys have anything else on Chainsaw Man? No, but I'm looking at this ending, and you're right. It does look like chainsaws. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there, bro. It's it's crazy how they're finding creative, artistic ways to just explore and expand. And like and it's funny because for example, a show like Naruto, you get a different opening like every what, 15, 20 episodes. You probably get like there's like fifteen seasons of Naruto, you probably get a opening. You could probably get two or three openings per season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we're getting a new ending with every chapter and they're doing that job actually also makes the season that's only five episodes so far feel so much bigger. Like, like a lot, like it actually gives it that wide scope. That's a lot is going on. And I like how they're using all their time wisely, which again, it goes also back to the point where I think I was mentioning it. I think, Isaac, I think we talked about this when we covered the Entertainment District arc of Demon Slayer. Is that they use every single frame of time in every single episode to tell as much of the story they can. Even if the credits are rolling, they keep telling the story. Does that make sense? That sounds about right. So, So I'm glad that they're doing and finding creative ways to do that to make this experience so unique. Which also you can tell, because I think you mentioned it, Isaac, that the president of MAPPA... Like had a big stake and love for Chainsaw Man, and and it shows that they're pulling out all the stops, and yeah. I love it. Unless uh, I'm being misinformed, it's supposed to be that I read the first uh, volume of Chainsaw Man called Shreya uh, and said, "I want every the and every anything uh, right to what uh, this mangaka is doing." Nice, it was so. so awesome. If yeah. that's uh, correct, well, it shall be interesting to see how they adapt Fire Punch because that one is more fucked up than Shainsome, uh, arguably. Hey. But hey, is it Shonen? No. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's not. But 
<laughs> guys, that was our coverage of Chainsaw Man. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. AJ, this has been awesome. Um, thank you for joining us for this conversation on Chainsaw Man. I loved your input. It's awesome. Um, we're going to take, before we take a quick break, um, we want to let you guys know we appreciate everything you guys do for us. Um, if you like what we do, make sure you click the like button. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you click on the bell for notifications so you don't miss any coverage of Chainsaw Man or every other anime that we do every single week. We do My Hero Academia. We're doing um, Bleach, A Thousand Year Blood War. We're doing Spy Family. And we're doing other topics throughout the week, every single week. And if you want to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and listen to us go. If you love what we do, make sure you follow and give us a five-star review. Let us know why you love us because if you give us a five-star review, other people will find us and hopefully love us too. Um, and we can keep the conversation of awesome anime goodness going. Now, before we go to our next section, AJ, if people wanted to find you, where can they find you? Well, you can always find me on Twitter, AJ Geeks Vibes. That is I'm always on Twitter, so that's where you can find me most of, most of the time. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Isaac, where can people find you? Well, written work, Boom Entertainment, uh, Twitter, Emblemaniac, and the pod is Twitter is Demetra Taco Pod. And you can find me at the Scarlet Fan 52 on Twitter. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at the Amateur Taco Pod. Thank you for being awesome, guys. We will see you next time. Um, next In the two weeks more, in two weeks' time, we'll be back with more Chainsaw Man coverage. <laughs> Boobs. <laughs> well done. Well done. We will come back in two weeks um, with more Chainsaw Man coverage. Um, we also come back next Sunday with more My Hero Academia and more Spy X Family. Um, if you want to hear us talk about Bleach, A Thousand Year of Blood War, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick six-second break and go right into our coverage of The Thousand Year Blood War, episodes four and five. If you haven't seen Bleach, this is the time to sign off. You guys have it awesome. We will see you next time. Peace. Peace. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome back to the Amateur Otaku Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? I am Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet fan here. Here is AJ. What's up, man? What up, what up, what up? And the Mad Dog Isaac. What's up, bro? I'm tired. <laughs> when are you not tired? I don't know. I've been I trying to know. figure that out for the last four years, and I can never get an answer. <laughs> but, guys... Thank you for staying with us and joining us today on Amateur Taku Podcast. If you love what we do, make sure you click on the like button, subscribe to our YouTube channel, 
and click on the bell for notifications so you do not miss any episodes, any coverage of any manga that we cover. If you love what we do and want to listen to us on the go, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. Make sure you follow us so you get every episode that drops and give us a five-star review if you love what we do so other people can find out the awesome stuff that we do. So now it's time for the second event of this live stream. And that is, we are talking Bleach, the Thousand Year Blood War. And I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna confess something to you guys. You guys have heard me talk about my hero. You guys have heard me talk about Spy Family. You've seen me talk philosophically and deep about Chainsaw Man. But I'm not gonna lie. The show that I'm enjoying most this season is Bleach. Dun, dun, dun. Bleach is back, baby, and it is so good. It has never been better. I am enjoying every little bit of it, and I got so much to say. I love this. <laughs> Ban Kai! Ban Kai! Um, so, guys, yes, we're about to start our coverage of the Th Bleach, A Thousand Year Blood War. We're talking about episodes four, Kill the Shadow, and episode five, Wrath as a Lightning. We have a lot of thoughts on this. Now, AJ, this is your first time on the show talking Bleach with us. So before we jump into the episode, what is your relationship to Bleach? And how excited were you for it to come back? It's kind of pulling a Blade Runner 2049, where it came back after years of being More on air. More and than it's, a decade. And it's coming back on top, like in style. Because you and I, because if I, I'm pretty confident that I can say this, if you're a Bleach fan, if Bleach has something, it's style. So AJ, what's your relationship with Bleach, and how are you liking the Thousand Year Blood War? Well, I first got interested, introduced it. Oh my God, introduced to Bleach on Toonami. Nice. That was the first introduction, and then I started reading the manga like two years after that and jesus christ and as soon as that stern ritter arc was happening and then just automatically just got canceled out of nowhere i don't know why it got canceled it just got canceled i was really annoyed i remember i was in, i was in middle school when it got canceled and it was probably one of my favorite animes of all time at that time, along with Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece, and all that, of course. But yeah, I really love Bleach. Um, for it to finally come back, literally like a little over a decade, which is too long, which is just way too long for it to. A anyway, it's good. It's good that it came back, and it's back stronger than ever. The animation's on point. Like it's always been. Yes. Voice acting is on point. Like it's always been for both dubbed and subbed. It's not one or the other. They're both fantastic. So just to just hearing them again, seeing them again, is just a dream come true finally. Yeah. It's just so good to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm not, I'm not going to lie, and I've said it multiple times, I'm not caught up with Bleach at all, but I know enough of it that I decided to take the plunge and just go into this. 
And I feel that I know everything I need to know because I'm enjoying what I'm watching so much. And I'm loving the characters and the new things that are happening. And I'm frightened by the Stern Ritters and everything like that, all emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I don't know, it, what a great interpretation and stuff like that. Um, I don't know where they're at in the books. I don't, I don't know how, what it follows. But man, what a great show it's been. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm part of the crowd that can say Bleach is back. And the style of it, the animation, it's been so strong. And one of the things that we talked about, a lot about the animation of Bleach, especially um, of this show, is, is like it feels like old Bleach, but it feels brand new. You know, like every, not, nothing, nothing looks different, but the advances and how they're using CG, like for the Bankais and stuff like that, um, everything just looks great. It looks crisp. It looks enjoyable. Like, I've never seen Wakamundo so alive. <laughs> like, it's everything's been great. So, are you guys ready to jump into the episode? Yes, sir. Now, episode four picks up right where it left off with the purge of the Soul Society, um, Serate, mm-hmm. where literally the Stern Ritters, which are the Star Knights, which should be really dubbed the Star Knights from Hell. But the Star Knights are attacking and purging the Serate from all the, sh- the Soul Reapers. And they're just killing everybody. And I don't know, guys. If, if, if you were afraid of this group of people before, holy crap. It's terrifying to know them now. It's, it's crazy. Like, um, you guys read it. But when you guys saw this and how it's on developing... Like, one of the things that came to my mind is this is before Infinity War did Infinity War, Bleach did this. Like, this is Infinity War level stuff. <laughs> Am I thinking too much of it? But that's how, how, this is how big this feels and how tragic this feels and horrible it feels. Yeah, this is definitely a huge arc for all Bleach fan, fans. If you read the manga, if you didn't read the manga, this is definitely one of the biggest arcs to ever be put on animation live. Um, you got One Piece that had a huge arc. You got Naruto, but for me personally, this is the best war arc of any anime. For me, oh, wow. I, yes. I love, I love it. I can't get too deep into this because I'm afraid that I might spoil things. Right. So... I'll just leave it at that right there. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed also, and I mentioned it to Isaac, but I love how, and he said that Bleach has always been bloody. And I know, like, Bleach, I've seen shots where Bleach is, like, super dangerous and bloody, but I feel that the gore in Bleach, like, they upped the ante in this arc. Like, they say, oh, this is a war arc. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of blood. Like you got you got people just getting cut in half. Awesome. You get people cutting half and stuff like that, and it's crazy. Um, but like it, like the previous episode, how it ended with when they arrive and you got this guy just blowing people's head offs with finger guns, a la Juju Hakusho. <laughs> like, like it's it's crazy how um, visceral everything is. And I love how as soon as you start watching it, you kind of get the stakes of how serious all that happening, how all that's happening is. And I love how 
because of how it's being presented and because the pacing has been so tight. Like in in compare in difference to Chainsaw Man that we talked about how they're so it's so dense. I feel that they have picked the right amount of chapters per episode because everything feels connected, but it feels that it breathes and it has the right amount of tension and release. Does that make sense? Um, and every cliffhanger just lands. And I'm enjoying every, every minute of it. Um, now, this chapter, something very particular happens, which I think it's kind of... It's kind of a no-brainer, kind of. But at the same time, I do understand that, like any story, right? A lot of times the reader or the viewer knows the truth before the characters know it, mm -hmm. right? Like, we all knew that they were stealing Bankai's. Like, we knew this. But I found it interesting how the, the Soul Society needed to learn this. And what a way of showing this to them. With, with not just one captain getting their Bankai stolen, but four. And one of them is Bakuya. Oh, <laughs> like when this happened, what was your reaction? When I first read it or for when I watched well, it? Well, in your case, when you first read it, but yeah. Oh, in my case, then, yeah, it's it was crazy. Um, we, when I first read it, at least, I didn't think it was stolen. I did think it was sealed up because okay. it has happened before. So it was it was safe to assume even the captains assumed that because it happened before anyway. Oh, so 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 good. Thank you for saying that. So so the sealing of the bankai is something that's happened before. That's why they think it's being sealed. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So that was the case, and you already know that the um they were trying to figure out what's actually going on, and they figured it out, but it wasn't in time. So. You, you had that sense of desperation and right. sense of urgency within this episode at the same time and the sense of unknowing, the unknowingness. So just to get that feeling throughout this entire episode was great. It, it, was, it was definitely one of the best episodes for us to get started off with the, this war art. I love the fact that, see, now I, I, now I want to go back. And that's what I love about w watching this is, is that I'm enjoying so much this that I kind of want to go back and finish what I haven't seen or read. That's how good it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like for a lot of people, you and I both, like a lot of us know that a lot of, like, a lot of people got into the MCU retroactively. And what I mean by that is a lot of people didn't a lot of people went to watch the original Avengers without having seen anything else. And because the Avengers was so huge, they went back and became fans of the MCU, right? Um, like a lot of people's first Marvel movie was the Avengers. And I like how this is kind of has that epicness to it where you kind of like now that you've opened my mind that the seal stuff was a thing in the past, I like how the author uses that idea and twist it as like no they're not stealing it they're stealing it <laughs> which, which which i don't know you blew my mind bro <laughs> uh, 
Now, Isaac, when you first encountered this and read it, what was your thought? I mean, the first thing I had, uh, I'm a sort of a similar armyist. Oh, shit, are they going to be destroyed or, or not this time? And if there is something that you learn is that they are pretty powerless without their bankers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like which, the way Bak Byakuya gets wasted on episode five is sad. I mean, uh, you you can argue that it's a bit disappointing that he can't even put up a, f uh, I want to say can't even, but you know, because they can't, uh, can flood, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, you would expect them to at least uh, being able to do more uh, with the exception of, well, one person that we go into the later episode. Yeah. Well, we learned that in this one, right? Like, like i love how not only this is the final arc right but it also brings a lot of basic stuff from bleach lore into question and into the limelight right and it's the idea that soul reapers are not only totally dependent but their main source of power expression is their sampakto is that spiritual seduction to their Sampakto. It's part of their identity. And I kind of find it interesting that even though all the Stern Ritters, right, are different and unique, one of the things that you've noticed, especially like so far at least, is that none of them, apart from how unique their designs and battle styles are, Pretty much all of them have the same skill set when it comes to Quincy's. You know what I mean? In terms of the type of powers that they have. Like, like I go back to that fight that um, that Ichigo was having in the previous episodes with Sternwitter J, where he talks about the different levels. It's kind of like Dragon Ball logic, right? Like, there's different super levels of Quincy. You have regular, you can go Super Saiyan, and you can do this, right? And it kind of leads you to believe that all the Quincy's have that. But it's probably not as individualized as as what the Bankais are. Like it's a deeper connection or something. I don't know. So I find that interesting in contrast with them. But I like how it's breaking down. Like for people that have never seen Bleach before, it breaks down how important that connection to the Sanpakuto is, and and how weak they are without that connection. Especially when when um the Ice Captain I don't know his name um, screams up screams in pain and agony because he can't feel a connection to his Sampakto. It's so heartbreaking because you kind of feel like, okay, this got really bad real quick. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, the Sampakto is definitely a part of them. Inexchangeable, basically. Yeah. They're, they're a part of their identity and all of that. Um, the one thing I will say against um, the difference, the differences with the Stern Raiders and all of that, they do have different abilities that distinguish, distinguishes them from one another. You'll get, you'll get to know them a lot more throughout the future. Of Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, also for the record, uh, I hope I don't, uh, Butcher this, uh, my pronunciation of it, but the ice captain's name is Toshiro Hits, uh, 
It's a guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. And nice. he is the youngest uh, captain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. My memory doesn't um, misleading me. It's funny because I've read the bur- the 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 one shot that Tite Kuba put out like two years ago, and that's the first time you ever seen him grown up. <laughs> I I find it hilarious. And are you talking about Burn the Witch or are you talking no no about, no no? Uh, There's an actual one shot where they show like a grown up Ishigo and like they're all like celebrating oh, that one. Yeah, they're that celebrating um, the death of a captain or something. Oh and, well, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. But okay, no, never mind. I'm not gonna say anything. No, you're fine. But like, and this is like anybody can wa- read this in Viz, but like. It's not really a spoiler because I'm not spoiling the story, right? But it's the first time that you actually seen him grown up. So you didn't even see him grown up in the main story. <laughs> kind of. I'm not going to say. Yeah. Stop okay. it. No, okay. <laughs> no, no, but, but you know what? At least so far. See, see, you guys are teasing me now. Now I'm going to go read it and then I'm going to be pissed. No. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoy all this. I love the, the fact you're bringing a lot of information that's getting me very jazzed about this show even more um but uh can we all talk about how hilarious it is how hilarious it is that one of the stern ridders for some reason is a wrestler <laughs> i think I it's mean, pretty cool though i think it's yeah. pretty cool yeah i, I found mean, it so uh, hilarious uh, that someone out of nowhere like renji's about to do his bankai in episode five and this guy just drop kicks him <laughs> Like, I, I mean, wrestling, was... isn't wrestling pretty big in Japan? Yes, I, w- I'm, I mean, I would assume so. I mean, you got Ring of Honor and all that stuff, so I would assume so. So I'm just thinking that uh, maybe it's just a... Uh, like, a like a tip of the hat it's, uh, towards uh, that? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Now, the, the one thing, apart from the stealing of Bankai's, right, which is the, one of the big points that this episode makes... Is the other point that they make is that not only was Ishigo able to fend off Eburn in the premiere of the show, but it's the fact that they cannot steal Ishigo's Bankai. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a proven fact so far. Um, I'm watching you guys. I know you've read it. Calm down. <laughs> um, but but like they yeah. cannot steal Ichigo's Bankai. And I find that so interesting because everybody that knows enough of Bleach knows that Ichigo is very peculiar for a lot of different things. And let's just add another reason why he's peculiar <laughs> and unique. Um, but I found that very interesting. It makes so much sense when you find out why. Um, I, I think I know why, but we're not going to talk about it. Um, maybe off the air. But... It's it's one of those things that it's the relationship between because in the beginning, of course, the Serate just wanted nothing to do with Ichigo. And now it's gotten to the point where they have no choice but kind of be saved by him. <laughs> so I love how it goes full circle because he does he does he is the hero of the show. And I love that where this picks up, it's like he is that hero. You know what I mean? Like, I like how him coming back, it's like, you know, I try to get out, but they pull me back in, kind of. But it's like the hero's last ride. Like, it has all those melancholy stuff that come with the journey. 
But more importantly, I love the pacing of the show because from the beginning, everything is just going a million miles per hour. But I've enjoyed every minute of it, and I haven't felt that it's rushed. Am I the only one that feels that way? For me, I, I wish I had more. I wish Ooh, I could just get it all same. at one time. <laughs> I, mean, you got, I mean, you got another three cores, so I think we're good. We're getting uh, good. No, I know we're good. I just <laughs> want them all at the same time. I want like a 30-hour of nothing but bleach at the same time all at once Ooh. <laughs> so so they can't steal his bankai um he receives a phone call so it's funny when serate dials 911 it's ichigo's phone cell phone <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, if there's yeah. someone that's broken in via canon it's ichigo yeah yes yes but then again, I mean, he's the guy, right? Um, the main but, character. <laughs> yes. And, and that's one of those things. Like, this is, like, so much still a very old classic shonen, right? It's And, and I, and I kind of love it for that because there's, like, this nostalgia factor um, still into this show. That you, you you like you know how a lot of shonen shows nowadays they call themselves shonens, but sometimes they don't feel that way because they've gone for more modern takes on the genre. Does that make sense? Like I love how Bleach still feels like a shonen show. Yeah. So I think it's one of the best qualities that the show has. Now he's on his way. He's now stuck in a prison. I, I kind of put it in the description. Um, the episode ends with Ishigo just being stuck in traffic. Um, I mean, technically, that's what's happening. He was traveling to the Garganta. Um, Sternwitter J traps him in prison. He can't move. It's literally like fender to fender, bumper to bumper traffic. He's stuck in traffic. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny uh-huh. because when he arrives to the Serate, it's literally like an accident happened. <laughs> so, like, with all the bodies on the floor. Um, now that is funny, but it's the idea is funny. Um, but let's go. Let's go to episode. Morbid humor. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a war. So yeah. But anything else on this episode before we jump to the next one? No. Not that I can think of. Now, episode five, Wrath of the Lightning. <laughs> now, now there's a <laughs> there's a lot that happens in this episode, and we already talked about the stealing of the Bankai's. We already talked about Ichigo stuck in traffic and being desperate. Um, we all t- now there is someone that we don't know who it is, but this someone kills Sternwitter J before he kills Orihime, Sato, and um that guy's name. I forgot his name. That guy's Kisuke. Um Ishikaya? What's the name? Yeah. The, with the hat? Uruhara. Uruhara, yeah, that guy. Um, the man with the hat. There you uh, go. <laughs> there you go. The hat man. He's just the coolest hippie dude. Always. Love him. Um, someone saved him. We don't know who it is. But I love the fact that it's a tit. I love the fact that the last thing you hear in that scene is Uruhara says, shit. <laughs> like, so I, I kind of na- I, I can't wait to know who that person is. So I like that tease. Ishigo's still tucking, stuck in traffic. He's getting desperate because he can get out. But the important thing of this episode, it's not that 
it's not that the whole Bankai thing, because it just wraps up the whole thing. It started with um, Kiagu, uh, um, Byakuya, right? He gets taken down um, by this other Stern Ritter. Um, the big thing of this episode is two things. We learn who the villain is because we're introduced because we learn to the, who the villain is because the head captain is pissed and he goes to That's action. That's an understatement. Yes. And I love how it says wrath as a lightning, but his power is fire. So I don't know you guys. That sounds like an avatar reference if there ever was one. Because everybody knows that an avatar, an extension of the firebending technique, is lightning. But we're not going to talk about that. Well, the title is a reference to his lieutenant. Damn it. You bring in logic into the game. <laughs> no. You're right. You're right. The weather and stuff. You're right. You're right. Because he's filled with wrath because his lieutenant was killed by this guy trying to use his own lightning. So the there lightning is fueling okay. the wrath. I, I, get, I get what you're trying to get to. Okay. Never mind. No, 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 but you're right. No, you were right, and I was wrong. But it's still a firebending reference. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I, I love the whole thing where he, where we get that flashback of the connection that he had with the lieutenant um, and how many years. Like, they were serving. He said, like, this lieutenant served a thousand years under Giryu-san, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, and the fact that he has a scar out of respect because he was training him, whatever. It's just so, it, it makes it so personal. And I, and I find it powerful that just two episodes ago, we have the research and development captain, which I will never try and pronounce, Kurosuchi or whatever his name is, um, Sushi Head. Um, he looks like Jinx from Pokemon. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so he's literally calling the captain out in his shit. Like, this is all happening because you were never able to kill that guy. So, so not only does he feel guilt and upset with himself, now he's feeling horrible because of the stolen Bankai that's being used against him. So he says, I'm going to kill every single reb- rebel. And it's crazy. And with one swipe, he literally, he doesn't kill. He doesn't maim. <clears throat> he melts him up. Like, like, holy shit. Like, this is amazing. This is so like he went full on Indiana Jones Ark of the Covenant on this guy, <laughs> which was epic. I mean, uh, like, uh, like we said before, you don't mess with the head captain. Yes, you don't. You do not at all. Um, in this episode, what was your favorite scene? Um, what were your favorite scenes and moments on this episode? Because this episode was really all moments, right? Not a lot of story necessarily. It's all moments, apart from the story of the of the backstory that we get with the lieutenant. Um, what were you guys' favorite moments? AJ. Oh, don't come to me. That's tough. Okay. You said besides the past. Oh no, you can. You, if that's your favorite moment, that's fine. Ooh. I'll go with that, just because we do get we actually do get a lot of history between the two the head captain and the lieutenant i really like that um the way the lieutenant progressed and the way you can just feel the emotion throughout that entire scene for the head the headmaster and all that so just emotionally 
that was probably the best scene throughout the entire that throughout the entire episode. Yeah, but the most, of course. The most surprising ep- um, moment was the um, the ending, or not the ending, but you know the little little tease that we got. The cliffhanger. Um, yeah. Yes. So, and I'm and I'm glad that you said that because that actually is a perfect segue to the next part I wanted to discuss. So I'm gonna hold you to it. So if so, you said the best moment for you was the whole backstory with the lieutenant and how it fuels up the anger, the Ark of the Covenant, and then it goes into that encounter between Washwack or, what, or whatever Car Wash his name you is. You just say you watch, yeah. Okay, Car Wash. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if you turn the letters around, yeah, Ewok, Car Wash. Um, so when the, when the captain meets Ewash. Now, Isaac, what were your favorite moments of the episode? Introduction of Ken Pasture. Oh, that's yes. Yes. And, and you know what's funny? Both of y'all segue to where I wanted to go. <laughs> so y'all are brilliant. You're reading my mind. That's weird. So, um, <laughs> but that was awesome. Because one of the things that I find fascinating is that we don't get properly introduced. And what I mean by this is one of the first shot that we get when the show started is practically Ewok, right? Well, one of the more important shots since the first episode, and we'll be seeing him act a lot and how he runs his army and blah, 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 that all he's doing this is foundation stones for peace, and he's doing this for peace, blah, blah, blah. Of course, like any other megalomaniacal film, right? Mm-hmm. But we never really, but we never had an, a character from somewhere else meet him, or at least that we can see it. We saw the flashback in Wekomundo, but we never see him meet someone, right? Yeah. And the first person he meets is Kimpachi. 